This is Where We Meet, sharing conversations from New Mexico and beyond. I'm Chelsea Reedy, and this show is supported by the National Endowment for the Humanities. Taos Center for the Arts would like to recognize that it operates on the homelands of the Red Willow people of Taos Pueblo. We'd like to honor the importance of native and indigenous cultures within our community and within the land we live, learn, and exist on. On today's show, we speak to Tanya Hernandez-Velasco, Victor Sicard, and Ryan Brown of Opera Lafayette. These are the stage director, singer, and artistic director for the one-act opera, Gretry's Sylvain. Written in 1770 by André Gretry, Sylvain addresses land right issues between peasants and landowners back in the 18th century France. Opera Lafayette's current production sets the plot in San Luis Valley, Colorado, and the conversation today addresses the relevance of this topic. Here's the conversation. My name is Tania Hernández Velasco, and uh, I'm the stage director of Sylvain. This is my first, my very first venture in opera, since I'm originally a filmmaker. Uh, and it's uh, thanks to Ryan and Opera Lafayette that they extended this invitation uh, for me to, to, to come with them uh, on this project. And so I'm Victor Sicard, I'm a, so I'm a baritone. I come from France, from La Rochelle. The first time I guess I uh, met opera was I was doing a, a mustard seed in a Midsummer Night's Dream by Britain when I was 10 at the Opera House in Bordeaux. And this project, I'm playing the part of Sylvain, uh, which is a title role. Uh, also Sylvain. <laughs> um, in, uh, so in Opera Lafayette's production of Sylvain by Gretry. And uh, I'm Ryan Brown. I'm the artistic director and founder and artistic director of Opera Lafayette. And um, I actually came to opera kind of late in life, too, um, because I was a violinist growing up. And I mean, I always knew I was going to be a musician. And, and then I kind of came to conducting later in life and then and then creating an opera company because I thought matching stories and music was so interesting and had been for centuries. And so... Here I am. Thank you. I'm wondering how you guys made that connection between Ryan and Opera Lafayette and Tanya. That's a very interesting and uh, crazy story. It was during uh, winter 2020, I think, that I received, I just received an email through my um, email box and, and it got me like eyebrows raised because um, there was this person in the United States um, explaining about an opera production that had everything to do um, with the themes that I had explored so far in my films. And um, that uh, was asking me if I would be interested in um, uh, stage directing an opera. So my first impression, and that was my reaction, uh, was that, okay, uh, I have a website online and someone uh, who is trying to scam me has looked at my profile so, so, so carefully that, uh, that they are uh, really uh, a certain kind of uh, very, very advanced and smart scammers. Um, so I can... I, sent it to my family like to and some friends like do you think this is legit do you think is this is uh, no like uh, uh, i'm thinking no is this human trafficking what what is this um 
But I did look at the website of Opera, La Opera Lafayette and I thought, well, if this is a scam, it's a very elaborated one, no? Like, <laughs> right, right. The, no? They even have pictures of previous productions and everything. So, so I did reply to Ryan and I said, like, okay, Ryan, um, I'm not sure you know um, that... Uh, Because there was something, uh, he mentioned something that uh, other um, than filmmaking that I was, uh, that he found in my profile. But I think that he, there was a possibility that he was mistaking me uh, for someone else. So I said like, Ryan, are you addressing this to the correct person or no? Like if so, I'm interested in, com in talking. It so really, that's my it version. It really is the most amazing story of somebody uh, of hiring a stage director, you know, out of the, not out of the blue at all. In terms, it, in fact, it, it turned out that my instincts were like, so I feel so proud of how they were because, because Tanya has been absolutely amazing in this project and just the perfect person for it. And she didn't, um, she didn't say what those, you know, those things, that she worked on the film were and she'll probably want to talk about them later but basically the the it's it's a, the the opera is about the land and about as we say defending the land and 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 caring for it and and about conflicts with with land use and and it's about um gender affection for one's grandparents and for familial reconciliation and and um And indeed, I, I I thought I was looking for at another Tanya Hernandez, mm -hmm. and and um, but then when I saw the film online, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, and when I finally found out that 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 I wasn't talking to the person I thought I was talking to, I I said, this is a better choice. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's a, such an interesting story. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, going back to what you were saying about the, um, the story of the opera and Silva, I'm wondering, Ryan, if you could tell us a little bit about the storyline and why you chose to um, produce this opera right now. Um, well, I'd always been, I'd always heard about this opera because, uh, I mean, it's in the field of, of the kind of opera that Opera Lafayette does, which is 18th century, um, so-called Opera Comique, which um, is uh, opera with dialogue. It's really early musical theater. Um, and uh, and we've kind of made a, a specialty of it. But uh, the uh, this particular opera, Sylvain, um, I always knew that it was the first opera done in New Orleans in 1796. And New Orleans had this incredible music culture, as, as you know, um, way before jazz even. And um, and starting in 1796, people started doing operas, you know, soon they were doing them almost every three nights. And they were doing this repertoire that Opera Lafayette is, is re recreating. And so the first opera they did was Sylvain. I thought, well, why did why was that so interesting to them, you know, back then? Why was it so popular? And, and then it also offered this kind of French, Spanish, American context. Uh, and, and when I started really reading the libretto and, and realizing that it's about um, uh, people who, who have been able to use common lands uh, or lands owned by the nobility, that poor people were able to use lands by the nobility, and then suddenly they're, um, they're stopped from using those lands, I thought, well, that's, that's an interesting land conflict that we run into in the West a lot. And, and then, um, then I um, looked into and was, was told about this particular land conflict um, in the, uh, up in San Luis, Colorado, kind of an extension of, of Taos and, and northern New Mexico culturally. And, 
um, and thought, wow, that's, that's the same thing. Maybe we could set this opera, um, not in 1770 in France when it was written, but maybe we could sort of make it relevant to America as history and uh, the history of the Southwest and, um, and set it uh, in kind of in 19th century um, uh, Uh, northern New Mexico, southern Colorado. Tanya, I'm wondering how that relates to the work you've done before. You touched on that really briefly, and I'm curious if you could tell us a little more about um, your work as a film director and how that's connected to your work right now. Mm -hmm, of course, definitely. Um, so my practice has um, mostly explored um, the um, questions uh, that... Um, deal with uh, nature, territory, legacy, and identity, um, always uh, from a personal point of view, uh, personal and, and from the point of view, uh, of course, of my community. No? Um, so my, my first uh, feature film uh, is called Titiche, and um, it's, this is a Nahuatl word that means uh, that which remains after a harvest, uh, meaning uh, the little seeds or, the, or that produce that is left and that people are traditionally in a lot of places in the world allowed to come and gather for their personal use. And uh, the film uh, tells the story of my mother and grandmother who, uh, with, um, who I accompanied to do a last being harvest after the death of my grandfather, who was the last peasant of our family. And after he died, there was no one else who would um, cultivate the land um, as my family migrated from um, a small town in Puebla, Mexico, to me me Mexico City. And this, um, this kind of generational uh, difference Uh, was something that I wanted to explore and to approach uh, sensorially and uh, visually. So I kind of explored um, the worldview of my um, grandfather through the eyes of my mother and grandmother. Um, of course, I there is a distance I could not, I I cannot close uh, like uh, completely. No, um, I am not a peasant. I am a filmmaker and an artist. So that was a very interesting question for me. You know, like how do I approach these themes that are um, so infused with uh, work? Uh, sometimes with pain, sometimes with uh, displacement, but also with a lot of reverence um, to nature and to the traditional wisdoms of those who have um, uh, for centuries uh, cultivated the land and protected a traditional and very uh, respectful and caring um, relationship with nature. So th um, th those are... Uh, topics that I'm uh, exploring in other film projects as well. Um, but uh, with Sylvan, um, I think I found the connection um, in the fact that um, even though it's set in a different context and a different uh, time, um, I see this family of peasants as a fierce family that is defending their land. Um, there is something there um, in how they organize within their own means, and um, no, like uh, of course there are uh, class and um, and gender um, 
issues that limit them um, in, in order of to how to defend this land. But but I see them as land defenders. And that's what also connects to me the relevance of this uh, production right now. No, uh, Elsewhere in the world, uh, we're seeing uh, all these conflicts of people um, pushed and displaced from their um, from their native lands. Um, and sometimes we imagine um, land and... Um, uh, land defenders um, as being um, hugely uh, huge activists and um, very uh, um, mediatic pe people, for example. But I think there are a lot of uh, people in this world who are um, doing uh, a lot of this work of defense uh, from their intimate uh, household and how they continue to 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 protect and to and to grow um, these lifestyles and um, of course these relationships to the land. You know, it's it's interesting. You mentioned I I just realized that all three of us here have have grandparents who were who are rural, and and I only learned that about uh, Victor's uh, grandparents just recently. Not not before I asked you to sing the the title role, but you know, to what your grandfather was worked the land as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was so next to La Rochelle. He had a, he had a farm, and yeah, he spent all his life uh, uh, working. So he had he had also uh, animals. So he was raising animals as well, so cows, and yeah, he was uh, agriculture. So did you have a first hand? You you knew him. He was alive while you yeah, were yeah. a boy and, and you I mean he was so proud he took us on the on his tractor and said we would go and, and visit the, the yeah the fields so it was yeah 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 I, I think all three of us kind of reflect this you know we've we've moved to the city we've become artists we've um, and and for me I mean I'm I'm a you know, at least a generation older than both Victor and, and Tanya but it's kind of there's a um, Tanya started this process very early in, in her life and art, but but I, for me, this is um, only at, at at this age am I starting to combine these two lives: one doing you know music and opera, and and the other being being a Westerner and and connecting with with my family out here, um, which has been. Yeah, which has uh, been interesting, but I, I don't know that Victor, you've ever uh, whether that maybe that that rupture isn't so great in France. I mean, well, and also in the so in the Opera Sylvain, there is also the other thing when you're French and you look at the the libretto, you also have uh, lots of hints of uh, the revolution is about to come. Uh, when you have uh, some phrases with uh, everyone shall have the same rights, um, you know we know we know that it's about to come and the abuse of the nobility to the uh, to people that are working and also the great nobility actually of working people that actually resisting 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 trying to do okay fine we have lots of things that we are being asked to do but you know we'll will will and I had this from my grandfather because he was kind of a so he was in the resistance for the during Second World War like the communist resistance so he was really like you know the land was something. It was very important for him, and uh, yeah, and I don't know for some reason he had a son, so my dad uh, who uh, started escaping a bit already the uh, the countryside because it was very hard. It was very very hard, um, and you know, like maybe I don't know shower a week or something like this. That was you know living in the countryside at the time of France. And for some reason, they had one boy that they started to do music with the violin and then singing, and and they were all very happy because you know it's it's a very different world that they explore when they come to see a, a show I do.
And does it change to you as a singer, as an artist, when how you relate to uh, the performance you're doing? Like in this specific case, like there is personal history that can be, you know, related to the theme. I'm assuming that you are performing in different um, opera pieces where you can relate relate less. Does that change how you feel when you're performing? Yeah, of course, and, and especially, I mean, either you use imagination, so to kind of try to know what the character is feeling. Um, so before I was a dad, when I had to explore being a dad in opera, then I had to imagine what it was like, and actually has nothing to do <laughs> with the reality. I mean, you sleep much less. Uh, otherwise, yeah, no, for, and so already there is singing in French. That's already another thing, because all the, the emotions kind of get... Uh, quick I mean you understand quicker the, the emotions that you want to to um, to give to the audience and also yeah when you write to the story therefore you know you have it's you, uh, but yeah it's also an interesting work when you have to imagine because you have to find deep in yourself where where what the character could feel and here yeah of course it's it's you understand and when you understand you have the background and when you have the background you have an artist that is performing with its background um, uh, it makes a difference um, not only because you lived it but even if you go to see a recital of, a, of an opera singer if he knows a lot about French poetry and is going to sing French songs then for some reason you feel that he has the background of what he's talking about and I guess that's the same yeah with opera and yeah, we know we have to be chameleons and, and sometimes we do Papageno which is a funny man uh, drinking wine which is maybe me and uh, Sylvain who is probably a bit me as well in some parts and other times they put you in high heels and, and drag which exactly. you, you told me right? so that was my yeah my uh, first time I sang in the Berlin Staatsoper I was a drag queen so I was doing <laughs> the jealousy in uh, Idomene by Compra and yeah well that was that was fun you but know, this, this role is, is really you're, you're very conflicted um, but I think I, I, you should probably mention that even though he's the title role and he's this the, 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 the main conflict is about him and his father and, and, the, and the land um, uh, the his wife Elena is sort of the what ties the whole the person who ties the whole um, uh, story together and I think that was of particularly importance and interest to you Tanya right yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely I just also want to add that the character that Victor is building um, I, I find that uh, he's uh, making an equilibrium between these two very important forces, like a sense, a sense of dignity, a sense of strength and courage. And, um, and there is a lot of tenderness and a lot of gratitude. And I really think, um, yeah, especially for um, masculine roles uh, nowadays, I, I find the character of Sylvan a very interesting one. Um, so that is also, that also conjugates with um, what, what you are referring to, Ryan. Um, the character of Elena, when I read the libretto, I was like, but why uh, is this uh, piece called Sylvan if, if the driving force is Elena? Um, of course, uh, the answer is uh, has to do everything with what Elena actually is. She, um, in a way, uh, embodies um, the role of uh, caregivers and mothers who tend to be sometimes in the shadows as um, kind of the organizers and uh, decision makers, but uh, who, of course, um, for example, women uh, in my mother's generation in Mexico, um, 
they still could not inh- they they could but like um, culturally it was very difficult for them to inherit the land so for example my mother uh, she was interested in having the land and uh, trying to no continue the work but um, my grandmother she said no like uh, we need to to inherit this to a man um, because he would be the one who would uh, work it, no. So, so of course, this this kind of um, sends women to to the back, no, to the shadow. But that doesn't mean that there is no driving force there in the women, and that there is no possibility of organizing and um, defending uh, in a certain specific cases the land. Um, of course, no, like uh, um, well, I, I have learned that. Also, from a lot of uh, indigenous land defenders who talk a lot about this, no, about how there is no difference between defending your own body and defending the land. In the end, there is a kind of rebellion, rebelliousness, a kind of rebellion that is very conscious of the feminine tools of and how to use them to have power. So, so to me, I, I was telling um, Ryan and the cast that there is a certain Lysistrata, Lysistrata, do you say? Yeah, Lysistrata, no? Yeah, force in this, no? Like uh, using uh, the feminine uh, uh, as a very, um, and, and its limits mm-hmm. um, in order to reveal and to get, get access to power. Um, we also have, as part of the production, a costume designer who is from Taos, and it's actually from the Taos Pueblo, um, Patricia Michaels. And, and I think one of the interesting things we found so uh, about Patricia's work is she identifies as a as a member of the Pueblo. She identifies so closely with the land, and her des- her design for the costumes of this opera are are, are you know literally have um, you you see the earth, you see you see the water, you see um, these these elements in the um, in the costumes, and she was, and. And she treats it with, with with such imagination. Also, she's um, having you know grown up here uh, with many Hispanic friends. Um, she is so aware of of the Spanish colonial culture, um, and has has um, looked into Santeros, etc., for uh, for inspiration for for some of this. So I think um, in you know, in a kind of interesting way, we're we're all looking um, at at cultures that we have uh, that we're a part of in some way, and that are very are different from us in another. The opera Sylvain was written in 1770 and was the first opera to be performed in New Orleans. Yet this opera hasn't been produced in decades, and Opera Lafayette's production is the first modern adaptation of the piece. Here's Victor Sicard explaining why being part of this opera in 2022 is special, and the group reflects on how relevant opera as an art form is. Yeah, it's very exciting because it's, um, um, and also it's a, so we, we, for some reason, the French repertoire uh, around this time is not very much performed. It start, it's, it's being performed now for the last 10 or 15 years in France. But we uh, kind of stopped at Charpentier or maybe Rameau, that's when we stopped. And then we kind of had a gap between Rameau and uh, Saint-Saëns. Uh, 
And we kind of did not perform maybe Meyerbeer, which was maybe a bit earlier, or Berlioz, but that was, you know, that's when we, that was when we had this gap. In other words, they said gap from about 1750 to, to 18, uh, the 1870 or something. I mean, you know, you know, in the, if you look at German music, then, you know, it hasn't stopped. It never stopped. So we had this and it starts. So we, we have, we're starting having Gretry, um, and we start doing, looking at some romance. I mean, I'm going to do a, a recording of uh, French songs from the air de course so Baroque music up until Ferré or Barbara. So the end, so the end of the um, 20th century, um, kind of uh, pop songs, not very pop songs, but, um, not classical music songs and so yeah it was very interesting also to yeah to 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 even though the reading yeah, of course is not so easy and you kind of you know when you I travel quite 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 a lot so I never have the occasion to to stick to a piano so when you have a recording that has been made so you can work on the train because you know you just listen to the, the music and you can learn meanwhile but you know it's always very fresh and it's always very nice to to discover a new work and to defend the, this new work and say look you know at some point in France we also at this time we also had nice music and I think Gretry's music yeah, it's really interesting. I want to go back to something you said about the modern modern premiere. Is that referring only to the like that it's the first time that people are putting it on stage for a long time, or is it also referring to the way you're doing it? Like to the fact is modern talking to the fact that there's some English um, in you know in the dialogues, or what does that mean exactly? Well, when when I say modern premiere, I, it's, it means the former. Just simply, nobody's nobody's done it. They haven't recorded it yet. There are a couple. There's actually one the overture and one aria from this that have been recorded separately, but not the whole piece. So you have to look at the score. You can't you can't just go to a record or or a DVD or a, or a, the YouTube to see what's going on uh, with it. So, um, uh, but uh, but I, the other things you you mention are are I think what what makes our production particularly compelling for us to work on. You know, is is just how we're you know how do you make it speak today and and you know what language to do it in what where do you set it how do you uh, how do you and and so. Um, but um, but I think uh, it's I, I don't know the last date it was performed, but it was probably in the 19th century and probably in French. So it's been you know. And so much years. has happened since then. No, for example, uh, no the, the invention of cinema and uh, how we have taught our eyes to see, how we have taught our eyes to see cuts. No, for example, editing as an art form already existed before cinema. No, but Still, um, for me, for my practice, uh, definitely there's something very important in um, texture and uh, the real texture uh, of nature. And that, that's something that uh, is an important element of our production now. Yeah, we haven't told people that you're, you're, you as a filmmaker will be seen in this production as well. There, um, you know, opera these days is moving into projections, and, but opera, we, uh, Opera Lafayette, haven't done that yet so Tanya is the is a perfect person as a filmmaker to um, uh, to bring us into this world and and the images you might tell them a little about the images that that people will see on screen yeah, while yeah, during yeah. the scenes. So, so this uh, trip that Ryan was telling about uh, of um, how we first gathered in San Luis and met this amazing uh, couple, Maria and Arnie Valdez, who opened um, their home, uh, which is like a, a farm, a very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. And um, 
that was where I first started taking some some pictures. But then at a certain point, I realized that I also needed to link um, to link the textures of my home and my place um, and to infuse the images of Sylvan with that. So there are uh, images of both the San Luis Valley and um, of Guadalupe Victoria, uh, Puebla, Mexico. And uh, it's very beautiful um, for me to be able to, to co contrast uh, all of these two landscapes, but also two um, layers that to me are very important in the rural experience. One is the very small, uh, let's say a seed, uh, a sprout, uh, a flower, and the other one is like the very majestic one, which are the skies and which have a, a, a huge, a huge part in the way uh, peasants um, are uh, an indivisible, uh, indivisible unit uh, with land, no? Like this uh, reverence to the sky. It's not uh, a romantic reverence, but it's a, a reverence that has to do with knowledge. If we look at the sky, then it will tell us how um, the upcoming seasons will unfold, and uh, no, we'll know what kind of rains will come. So, so these two elements are mostly present. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I'd like to offer about your question about if it was modern, in the fact that we would set it modern, um, I mean, the fact that we do the dialogues in English, I think for me, uh, brings something that's very important nowadays is how to make opera accessible as well. So we have, um, we make people understand that opera is about everyone and is for everyone. And so actually the, the story that we are telling is very, is very modern. You know, it's uh, when, when you have a, such a good writer like Marc Montel doing the libretto and those good people, I mean, you have Da Ponte when it's with Mozart. They work so well on the characters and the story that you nowadays you find lots of uh, um, similitudes or similarities uh, with what we live. So, you know, people being abused by uh, maybe the nobles then, maybe now it's people, employees being abused by, you know, big firms or, or stuff like this. So it's it actually works. And also, um, so as I said, having the dialogues in English for an American audience makes sense, even though it will be said with my strong accent, but I hope they will understand everything. But, um, no, but it's also very important because if you have an audience like my parents, were not musicians, and see if they go to an opera, the staging is may maybe too un too much an interpretation of the work and not actually telling the story, which I really much like with Tanya, is that we actually tell the story. Um, so if my parents went to an audience and they did not understand the story, then they would leave the show at the end and say, well, you know, it's not for us, we did not understand anything. Um, so if they have the dialogues in English, um, there is also what Ryan has said before, lots of research, but not only research, but so cultural actions. Um, so going uh, live on internet and telling everyone, explaining the story, explaining the background of what's happening in this opera. Um, it's so important because, you know, the, this music is, um, uh, so the text is an amazing text that speaks to everyone. And the music of Gretchen just comes to magnify the text and our emotions or all the stories that we, we, we may live, um, actually, you know, they get a bit better, a bit softer, thanks to the music and thanks to the text. And so if we make it accessible and everyone understands that opera or classical music in general is for them and is about them, then I think it's a very good point we managed to make. <laughs> A special thank you to Ryan Brown, Tanya Hernandez-Velasco, and Victor Sicard for sharing their insights. Opera Lafayette was able to work on this opera here in Taos while in residence at the Helene Wurlitzer Foundation. Opera Lafayette performed Sylvain in Taos at the end of May and is now bringing their performance to New York City and Washington, D.C.
Where We Meet comes from Taos Center for the Arts in Taos, New Mexico, and is supported by the National Endowment for the Humanities. Producers include Colette LaBeouf, Chelsea Reedy, Elise Morion, Ariana Cubillos-Vogler, and Joshua Aragon. Research and writing by Jacqueline Paul. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities. On Where We Meet, we share conversations from New Mexico and beyond. Thanks for listening. Be well. Thank you.